Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There once was a man named Gold Roger who was king of the pirates. He had fame, power, and wealth beyond your wildest dreams. Before they hung him from the gallows, these were the final words he said. Our perspective is yours for the taking, but you'll have to join us first. We left everything we debated at the Yonko table. Ever since, pirates from all over the world set sail for the Grand Line, searching for the Yonko table, the table that will make their dreams come true. Yo! Yeah, yo, yeah, yo, folks. Welcome to the latest and the greatest from the Yonko table. That is the voice of Grandmaster Hoop coming at you from the helm. And goodness, I hope not to put you to sleep because we're entering the dream world. We're entering endless dreams to talk about the Sandman, Netflix hit series that just debuted in early August. We're a little late to the show, but we're ready to go and we're here to discuss everything the Sandman. But with me, as always, is Dr. Chase, who's not here today, but that's okay. Taking his place is rising supernova, Dr. Mondo. Dr. Mondo has been pushing for us to do this Sandman podcast, and here we are. Dr. Mondo, how are you feeling today? Feeling great, Grandmaster Hoop. Glad to be here. It's been a long time coming. I've been away for a while, but I'm excited to talk about the Sandman, a great series, something really fresh that's coming to Netflix here. You know what? I, I was hesitant to do this podcast, but I, I mean, I watched it. And when I was writing up these notes that we're going to talk about, I started, maybe I started to even appreciate it a little more on how it flowed. So I am glad you inserted your rage and you directed it in a better way into <laughs> channeling it to make this podcast happen. Yeah, that's so, right now. my rage is a meme right now, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Again, it can be used for the greater good but yes folks we're here to talk about the stand the sandman story of dream dream the endless now i guess the biggest thing really before we really get into kind of the nitty-gritty of the show do you think this is going to be like the next big thing or do you think this is going to be more of kind of like a cult following like there's only a handful of people who are probably watching this i don't really know which one i lean towards i feel like I am more leaning towards there are a select group of people that are going to watch this show. What do you think? Could this be their next Stranger Things? I don't know if it's going to be like to the level of a Stranger Things, but I wouldn't put it into the category. Oh, this is going to be like a like a cult because I would say it's more more in line like going towards like The Witcher, which a lot of ah. people which a lot of people watch. There's a pretty big fan base. It was something like pretty obscure. Not really, The Witcher wasn't obscure, but you know, something that not everyone knew and kind of like, oh, it brought it to light. Oh, this is very cool. And at that point, people started uh, like playing the video game even years after it, it came out. And here it can happen with the comics because the comics are actually like pretty good. I haven't read 
read them, but they're on my list just by watching this show. Yeah, uh, I would say um, as far as The Witcher goes, I know like The Witcher is definitely not known by mass audience. Those who played the video game and read there's the books. Actually, as well. Yeah, there's a good following that read the books. And surprisingly, I think there is a good following that read the Sandman yeah. graphic novel. Um, Neil Gaiman, uh, his name has been buzzing around because uh, I don't know if you've seen American Gods on Stars. I have not. That's his other show. And interestingly oh. enough, it's kind of similar approach where it's like all the God mythos and polytheistic <laughs> gods are like real and trying to adapt to the real world. So I see a lot of similarities here in Sandman. So I find that really interesting that if this does take off, yes, I think, yeah, you're going to find more people deep dive in the graphic novels and the lore because there's a lot to explore here. No, and I think, I think again, the following has been like really good with the show. Again, it was Netflix's most watched show in like in August. It's still one of the top shows and it's yes. been, and it's popping like it's popping up in social media all the time. So it's like this show was a hit. Yeah, oh, uh, I think what Stranger Things have been running all of late May, uh June, July and then this came in and dethroned it. So yeah. So it there's a lot of good here. Um I actually overall thoughts. Let's just talk about overall thoughts. I enjoyed the series. Oh yeah. I think I enjoyed it more for the thematic elements and kind of the mythos surrounding it versus actually what was presented. I know there's a good amount of people who really love the visuals here. Oh yeah, the I, visuals are gorgeous. Yes. The like for me, I agree with you when it comes to the mythos, that, that element of mystery and intrigue that was going around. It's like, okay, this is a very mysterious world that there's so much to it. That, I, that they're not presenting it all to you right off the bat. There's so mm -hmm. much that's left to your interpretation or just like, wait, we, we'll we tell you a little bit later. And it keeps it, it keeps you on that. But I also did love, like, you know, the cinematography there was mm -hmm. gorgeous. The shot, like, the, the special effects were gorgeous. When you go into the, like, into the dream world, like, the dreaming, the dreaming is gorgeous to watch. And I also like the characters and a lot of the, like, even like the writing in the show is really good, especially, I, I would say, especially in certain episodes. Oh, yes. In, I, hands like, down. Like, the writing was good throughout, but there were some episodes that they were just, wow. Like, I, th I think we're going to be on the same page on which episodes oh, the yeah. writing really shines. Oh, yes. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure we're going to be on the, on, on the same track there but, but it was oh, so refreshing to watch i just i was just i didn't know what to expect of the series at all i hadn't seen a trailer i was just like okay then it looks cool let's let's see what it is it's likely whatever actually i too did not watch any trailers for this i really had no interest in the same man i knew it had a bunch of buzz going around um but yeah coming into it and coming out of it uh yeah i think the writing is truly a highlight um the characters i think are uh most characters are very well done um you know you talk about cinematography and i like to throw in the direction the direction of some of these episodes are yes again because it's it's 
it's very different when you know compared to something like game of thrones and mm. uh, stranger things like i mean we'll get into it but specifically the diner episode you know that whole episode almost episode. entirely took place in that, that diner with repeating the same that, 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 that episode was like for me like for me out of all the episodes that was the 10 out of 10 episode for me i i think i might agree with you look at us the, the, the diner episode was the 10 out of 10. that was just like wow it, it just speaks to the idea that good writing and good dialogue you know can be transformative of a whole entire episode and just you yeah, know, it doesn't right. have to be action oriented. It doesn't yeah, have to have crazy a, effects. A single setting, a single premise, and the way it all develops and unwinds after that. It was very, for me, like to a certain extent, it's it was very Quentin Tarantino mm. in, in, in the way that Quentin Tarantino has these long dialogue sequences that kind of, they start off one way and then it goes from one end to the next and you're like what the hell just happened here just through simple dialogue mm -hmm. and that's like that episode gave me those vibes obviously not the other quentin tarantino vibes but it gave me <laughs> at least like the when it came to dialogue sequences no i i agree with you let's let's we'll get we'll come back to it and we'll yeah. explore that episode more but you know you were also saying as far as you know, they're not exposition dumping you everything. Exactly. There's a lot of little. They're yeah, they're trickling down. It's like right. they're giving you a little bit. You digest it. You're like, oh, this is good. Can I have some more? And then they give you a little bit more, and they keep you. They keep you there. There's so much going on in this freaking world. Well, I really like the fact you know talking about what's going on in this world. This world is so intricate because they're pulling from many different places. They have like the Greek mythos going on. There's biblical mythos and references throughout. There's like just literary. I think what? Because Constantine, you know, is a part of the show. I think I don't remember Constantine's origins. I imagine it's from a book, but no, it was no, like, but, no, like constant, like Constantine. The thing is that Sandman is DC. Like it is DC comics, technically. Oh, are you trying to say this is a descendant I, of John Constantine? Like, I, like like the DC run. I think I think so. If I'm not mistaken, it is like somewhat affiliated. Somewhat. Well, I will say this as for those who don't know, um, this is based on a graphic novel produced by DC Comics. If Dr. Manhattan has anything to say about it, if Dr. Yeah. Manhattan can make Watchmen in the same realm as you know Superman yeah, and all like, that, I, I guess Sandman was published by DC Comics. Right. So I'm guessing if Dr. Manhattan really wanted, he can bring this world to their world too. But here, let's um let's see. Real quick, performances wise too. Everybody, everybody oh, really did a everyone was great. Honestly. Yeah, everybody really did a good job here. Um his name, uh Tom Sturridge. Tom Sturridge was wow. Like, Never seen him before. No, Never same, seen him before. Uh, same, but it was just like his the way he projected himself was just perfect like he was he was so mysterious so ominous at the same time it was just like he was 
perfect to be this kind of being. Right. I don't think anybody, I mean, coming in, I was like, oh, the Sandman, he's dreams, he's happy, and he's oh. like kind of joyful, not in the slightest from this guy. But I guess it works. It really does work. He does really give a very layered performance yes. despite his monotone and his, and, you know, that, that dryness that comes to his delivering. And it's just like such like, and even the character of Dream itself, Morpheus is such a great character. He's an interesting character. There's and a like, lot it, going on. There's something about like Morpheus. It's so it's like so interesting. It, it comes up in like the later episodes. It's like his character flaw, which is the most ironic thing in the world. Um, so he's Morpheus, the king of dreams. Dreams are the most chaotic substance that you could ever think of because they can change on a whim. Yet throughout the series, a lot of the things that his is his character flaw is his his rigidness. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, his kind of rules and stick to he's the very code. Rules. And... He's very like no things cannot change. Once some, some it's which is so ironic given that. Dude, you're the you're the lord of the most changing substance in the, the universe. Dream realm where anybody dream, can control like, the reality, with, right? With a thought like everything changes to your wildest desires, and it's like I found that so ironic. But the way they they plant that in is so good. I uh, yeah, again credit to the writers. Oh um, no, the writers were great, and again the performances were phenomenal. And of course. David uh, Tulis, I don't know how to pronounce that. That, uh, that Which one? Time. Oh, 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 um, Professor Lupin. Yeah, Professor Lupin. Professor Lupin. Lupin. Very what good. He did very good. Like, and it was like, he was so well written that, like, sometimes you kind of felt for him, even though he was deranged as hell. <laughs> Listen, we'll we'll get into him. Let's let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and just let's talk about this show. Let's talk about it in its entirety. So, the basic premise: uh, Dream. Dream is captured, uh, and he's captured for 106 years um, by I guess what they're just a group of sorcerers. The uh, what's his name? Um, Tywin Lannister. Tywin <laughs> Lannister. <laughs> <laughs> love him charles dance love him uh but they didn't want to capture dream that was not their plan they wanted death they wanted death but the corinthian has other plans and i mean obviously we'll talk about the corinthian later because i feel actually he's he shows up here and then he's like sporadic throughout the rest of the series except for the like the very last third of the series then he's like yeah. he's like here but um he's captured and we get some sympathy from Tywin Lannister. I don't want to call him Tywin Lannister. Uh, <laughs> the 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 they call him the the Magus. The Magus. The Magus. The Magus. We get some sympathy from his son, his abused son. Yeah. Look at that, Charles Dance, another abused father. He keeps playing abusive fathers, um, and always has a preferred son over one son. My God, <laughs> nothing changes. Typecast. Uh, I really like this premise. I think, you know, I and again, I'm talking direction when they would jump in the years when he's captured, but they don't straight up tell you, I think was really 
good because oh, yeah. again you're like it'd be like you're looking at dream and then it zooms out and now the people are older exactly and again just adds to i mean he looks terrible he's naked <laughs> he's like let me out like skin and bones almost right but then it just yeah it just keeps adding to that he's been here for a very long time and then i think the final jump where he uh where now the uh, the son is living with his uh husband yeah and you know he had promised to let him go and then he's like i can't i can't let you go yeah it's because it's like it was like that entire episode and and i think it's like a premise for a good like a good part of the series i would say is how like he's always shown the worst of humanity so like Magus gets him because he wants death and it's like oh damn uh i screwed up you're not the guy i wanted but then he sees like the magical items that dream ah, have, mm -hmm. and that gives him power prestige fame all that so it's like he keeps him as a trophy and, and even the sun it's like the sun it's it's kind of understandable to a certain extent because he says like hey i want to let you out but you gotta promise me to not hurt me right to not like hurt me or my or, or my lover it's like i don't want to keep you here but i'm afraid you're gonna kill us and it's funny because like even when when the first time that he says that like you hear dream as the narrator saying now that i think of it i might and i should have taken that offer but i was just so mad at that time because again he had seen the worst of humanity he like that kid killed jessamy his crow yes, his crow right and it was like the kid like he was kind of like forced to do that the kid and also trying to finally please his father because his father freaking hates him and then he's like you almost shut the bloody cage you almost uh, like he was he wanted his father to be proud of him so but uh, yeah it's like throughout the entire like those 106 years he was always seeing the worst of humanity and actually i mean it's it's good because it builds up his kind of his arc he has to learn how to trust again. Yeah. And so, yeah, he doesn't trust humanity. And then eventually the lover does accidentally break the seal that's keeping him in. Yeah, I think because he uh, he kind of brushes off the the magical seal, I think it is. Yes, right? yes, yeah. He literally slides his foot. And I think it was literally because, you know, he loves this guy, but he also sees that he went back on his promise. Yes. And, and again, it's just you're looking at this. I mean, Dream is in the form of a human. You look at him and he, it's an enslaved person. Yeah. So I think he feels some sympathy. And now Dream is out. Dream is out. And gotta he's got to say, he's gotta, gotta oh, say go he's out. It's like, it's really badass. Like his his ways of his ways, his powers, of, his powers and ways of torture. They're they're badass because it, it's it's methodical. Because not only, like the thing is that I, like after the series, I read up a little bit on the mythos and all that. So it seems that like the endless cannot hurt humans. They can unless, make them hurt themselves. No, it's like they can't directly like hurt a human, like you know, like kill a human. I think 
but unless the human kind of interferes with them it's something really weird that goes on there so like dream uh, like dreams powers like when he says oh you're gonna go to sleep it's like well it's he's not really hurting them as he just like put them in an endless sleep so but either way it's kind of how he takes something so so simple and so peaceful yes i i i see what you're saying he gets really methodical and and makes it into something that's literally a, a nightmare right and then the people their actions their reaction to whatever he's doing is the eventual like their downfall because i think he goes into the mind of the guard and yeah i can't i can't i don't remember what he makes him do but you know it's kind of scary to think about that this guy can make your reality it's almost like um freaking itachi or somebody with a freaking izanami he's a, he's a oh my god Similar. I don't know. I don't know. Ishimoto from Naruto is pulling from the Sandman, but it's definitely scary. So now, Dream Morpheus, whatever you want to call him, he's on the mission. Well, he gets back to the Dream World and he sees it's all in shambles. 106 years worth of damage. Uh, we meet Lucian, his librarian, and she's like, "Sir, there's a lot of damage. Like the people have been. The sleepy sickness was also a thing that happened. Uh, some people have been asleep." like this whole time and have not woken up from their dreams, uh, which is kind of a crazy thought too. 106 yeah. years of sleeping. And I don't think those people, well, when they woke up from what I remember, they were okay. Uh, they just woke up. They're just older. Um, yeah. We'll come back to it. Cause it comes I'm up. Back. Yeah. We'll come back. Um, and so now he's on the quest for the items. He needs his effects. He needs his, uh, his ruby, his helm, and his sand. Uh, without these, he cannot rebuild his kingdom. So here we start getting, I guess this is kind of like the first arc of the yeah. series. Yes. Um, so again, now we start playing with different aspects of the myth- mythos. So like the first people he visits is Cain and Abel. And I was like, wait a minute, Cain and Abel? Yeah. What's going on here? I found that entire dynamic hilarious, not going to lie. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Going in, because who is it? Uh, Well, Abel dies. Uh, But you think it's the first time. It's it's repeated. It's a running gag. It's like, like, oh, you killed me again. Yeah, it's like, oh, next time don't hit me so hard like that. (laughs) It, it was good, but see, then I'm like, I'm over here. I'm like, okay, we got the Corinthian. Now we got Cain and Abel. What is going on? I, like, I'm trying to put together, like, is this a biblical show? Yeah. Is this like, you know, are they going to be pulling stories from the Bible? But no, Cain and Abel are their dreams. And they are of the dream world. They are, you know, uh, subordinate to Morpheus. So I find that really interesting that, you know, just kind of, I don't know. I like it when they play with religion, but don't make it overtly religious. Yeah. It's just, it's an interesting dynamic. I always, I always like those little twists, the twist to like mythology, to biblical mythos or like Greek, like Norse, all that kind of mythos, how they can twist it around and kind of throw it at you in a very unexpected way. I always like that. I, I 
again, I don't, I did not know anything about this show going in. So this was a curveball. I was like, okay, because if they did this, what the heck might they do next? And then, I mean, the next thing is relatively tame as far as, you know, religion goes. Uh, we meet uh, Constantine, who he's like, I knew a Constantine 300 years ago. And I was like, there's no way it's like a different Constantine. It's that Constantine. And it it's it's that it's a family. It's a family affair of like Constantine, the guy, the mythical dude, the sorcerer. Yeah. It's him, but it's like, her. It's it, a girl. Like it like that's like an Easter. That's like a, a little, oh yeah, by the way. Uh but then like throughout the series, you actually figure out, oh, he really did know another Constantine 300 years ago. But I don't know if that's an Easter egg. I think it's just um, expanding the Constantine mythos. It, it could also as well. It could, it like, I think it's both to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. But like later on in the series, you actually see, oh, he really did meet a Constantine 300 years ago. Wait, was that guy wasn't Constantine, right? Well, okay, save it, save it, save it, save it, save it. We'll come back, we'll come back. Um, and okay, and then in this episode where you know it's Constantine, Constantine gave the sand to her girlfriend, and the girlfriend again, it's like what the theme of like mortals being given power, what would they do with it? And she's just been living an endless dream, and but she's like, what she's like a drug addict, and she's like dying. I'm pretty like sure the sand like so she's been the sand has basically been her drug where she just goes into the dream so she can see be with Johanna. Yes. OK. Uh, and like her dream, her drug is her being with Johanna. Mm -hmm. But what's really interesting, again, is like this is a dream like this is Morpheus that has just come out of his imprisonment. He's always seen the he's been seeing the worst of humanity in these last 100 years. And it, almost in all the times that he goes and takes one of his items, he kind of dives into some like a positive quality of either humanity or a positive quality itself. In the, in the case of when he takes the sand back, he starts seeing like, okay, love. Like, love, okay. Love. Like, that's a theme there. Like, it's like humans empower, they're horrible. They're, but they're capable of love because the way Johanna reacts to like to her ex-lover, like being like this is just like she's this she's distraught when he sees what the sand has manifested for her. It is just pure love. Just being with Johanna. That was her dream. It's someone who was abusing his power, but not in an but abusive not, way but not in an abusive way it was like she just wanted to be with the love of her life right so without, without hurting anyone she was actually just hurting herself right and we're getting again he's distrustworthy of humanity currently despite you know his job as the king of dreams and now we're kind of getting yeah he yeah sees, he sees love there it's like oh okay like this is like this is actually something positive. This is actually something beautiful here. 
That like this is something I didn't experience of humanity in these last 100 years. Right, right. And I think, you know, as he continues his search for his items, we see like an interesting juxtaposition of, you know, different aspects of either humanity or different, you know, forces of power that get a hold of his power and what they would do. So first we get a positive one. You know, he comes out of this. He's had a better mindset. He also has Matthew, his new Raven. Yeah. Uh, Patton Oswald does a good job. Uh, I feel he's not over talking as that crow. So I'm, I'm okay yeah. with it. Uh, not just for pure comedy. He provides some insight. Um, but the next one I think is a really, this, okay. So talking like, you know, we were talking visuals. This one was a great visual. Uh, he's got to go to hell. Hell is, well, like, I freaking love the depiction of hell. Well, I like, you know, it had layers. I think, what, when he first gets there, it's like through a cave. And then it's like uh, just nothing will, but I endless will, mist. I will quote Dr. J's attorney, who is not with us. Hell was like an onion. It had layers. It had layers. So he's got to go to hell to get his helm um, from Lucifer Morningstar. Well, actually, Lucifer Morningstar doesn't even have it. Well, Lucifer, goodness gracious. The fact that it's Lucifer, the devil, the fallen angel. I'm like, okay, so this is what we're doing. This is what you're presenting. And another Game of Thrones alum, Gwendolyn Christie. Yep. Uh, very nice to see her. Very. A, a, great, a great rendition of Lucifer. I really loved her as Lucifer. I loved her, too. I loved everything about her. I loved everything about her. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's interesting when you depict the devil. I know there's more Lucifer depictions now in modern pop culture with the, like, for example, the one show Lucifer. Tom Ellis. Uh, Tom Ellis was a great Lucifer. If you haven't watched that show, you should watch it. I haven't, I haven't watched it. Maybe I shall, but I don't know. This is my de facto Lucifer now. Um, just this kind of soft-spoken Lord of hell willing to hear somebody out but of course has somewhat ulterior motives you know uh again like you said they only give you a little bit at a time they have a past whether it's a rivalry or you know straight up you know conflict they have a past and we meet a demon who has his helm and the rules of hell if you want something you have to you know battle it out in a some kind of test and but you have to pick your champion and you know, Dream says, "I'll I'll represent myself." And then this demon's like, "I choose Lucifer Morningstar to be my champion." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh shit!" And cue my my background literally down. Okay, so this is what I'm talking about with like direction. All right, I don't know. I feel the casual viewer thinks they're probably about to fight. And what we get is just a game of wit. It's a game of wit and wor like in wordplay. Oh, uh, it was so good. I loved it. I absolutely it was loved so it. good. Plus, it was like not gonna lie, it was funny when she says, I am a dire wolf. And it's like, oh, and she was in Game of Thrones. Did she say dire wolf? Yeah, I think <laughs> I like I'm a dire wolf, a dire wolf prey stock, and I was like, honest, I, I, obviously, this is not a like uh, a play on Game of Thrones, but it was just could be. It very much it could from be. Her hearing it from her specifically, because yo, what the? 
I, I, it very much could be that she, she just might have thrown that in there. But I think the way it's just presented, because we're just given the scenario. So they're trying to one up each other in a game of wit, saying, Oh, I'm a hawk. I will eat the snake. And then something eats the hawk. And then it just yeah. keeps getting more convoluted. But then it's, it's like they get into like the kind of like the deeper thinking where yeah. I forget what she says. She says, like, I am. I, I think I, I think I have like the quote here for like I it's maybe it's not verbatim from the show because it's also like from the like from the original work. Uh-huh. Uh, I am uh, the end of the end of universes, gods, worlds of everything. And what will you be then, Dream Lord? And he answers hope. I am hope. Hmm. As I, that's the second quality. Like the first little, the first, when he goes with Johanna Constantine, it's love. That's the first, like, that's the quality of humanity or the positive quality that he had forgotten in these last 100 years that he sees it there and presences it. And here, he, it does, it's not that he presences it, but he remembers it. He remembers right. what is hope. As I that hope, no matter how bleak everything is, is just gonna shine through, right? And yeah, it's kind of like even when humanity might be at its worst, there is still hope. There's still hope that there 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 will be something better, right? And that's really what dreaming is as well. Dream, yeah, hope. dreaming is to hope, hope, hope manifested. You know, it's so, like dream in itself like his power his purpose to a certain extent is really he like he is the he's a beacon of hope right yeah things are at its are at their bleakest you go into the dream into the dreaming and you live out what you want you You hope you hope to achieve the dream you you hope to achieve what you haven't achieved you hope to be who you want to be. It's like, it's your escape from right. anything, from all the bad stuff, no matter what. So he starts remembering a little bit. I think, you know, the positive, like the positive, quali- the positive qualities of, you know, being the dream. Yeah, like- yeah, I know. I think he's like looking at it from, pers- again, it's kind of like you have to be at your lowest. Yeah. To, you know, r- truly kind of realize what you've been doing and what you've got uh, and then, you know, rectify any kind of situation. You know, I think he was just running things before. And now, having been captured for 106 years, as you said, he's not as stoic anymore. He's he's becoming susceptible to change. He's not there yet, but we're getting, mm-hmm. you know, we're getting a little dash here and there. So love, hope. Well, this next one is probably, I don't know, the truth. This one is about truth. I think it's, I think, yeah, the third one is truth. Right. Cause it's like, like, on, like honesty and all that. Right. And again, it, interesting situation. Again, they, um, story wise, it's, it's, it plays out like, you know, uh, I don't know, like a, no, I don't know, novella or, you know, some just dramatic TV drama. The Magus had a mistress. Yeah. Um, the mistress, he like he wanted the mistress to abort his child. Ah, yes. She did not want to. So what she did was she took all the magical items 
she ran away. She started the hunt for the magical items. Yeah. No, so yeah, well, like she's she's the reason why they are so spread out. Exactly because she, I think it's what she traded the the helmet for an amulet of protection, mm -hmm. and the sands she sold them off. Right. Uh, to get some money. The and one she, they kept though. The ruby. The ruby. Which she gave to her own to her son. The ruby that makes your dreams into reality. I is that what it is? Is that what I, it is? I think that's I I think that's the power, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, okay. And so it turns it turns either your dreams or your desires into reality. Okay. So yeah, we learned that her son son John has had previously used the ruby with malicious intent and then he gets locked up in a psych war and then she goes to him because i well i think she knows that dream might be coming for the ruby yeah because um, because corinthian corinthian goes to her right to her okay. and tells us it's like he's back and he's coming for all the stuff that you took away and nothing's gonna stand in his way so she's like so she's super scared to get the ruby back right right and so but in her fear she releases her son from the psych ward so it's not because of her fear so the relationship between her and her son is strained to say the least oh for and sure i mean he's pissed that she locked him up but it seems that throughout his childhood she was really never honest with him and it, and it's like throughout like throughout his childhood even like when when they present her like already you know as uh like a lot older in the current times she has these multiple identities that she uses like multiple aliases uh, when she's speaking mm -hmm. to everyone right right so it's like she's playing she's playing this game and all like where no one knows who she truly is so it seems and that's the i think his name is john right yeah john john so that, mm -hmm. that's john's obsession with truth because he's been lied his entire life his mother has never really been fully honest with john right um she's always she's had multiple names and all that she's never been truly honest with him and the ruby in itself it's like john like john uses he just wants to see truth he just he, wants to see truth he just wants to go like he just wants to erase all the lies but what he right. does, so when she finally comes clean and tells him like his origins because he, he he actually like forces her because he actually started reading upon some stuff and he was like hey so this like he actually confronts her for the first time in his life and she finally comes clean and finally or at least overtly does something that's for him for his greater good and not for her mm -hmm. because according to john she was she did everything for her not for john even though she says so, oh yes she yeah right so she says it's like well let me i should have done this a long time ago and for the first time in her life, overtly, she does something for him. 
and she gives him his her amulet of protection. Right. Which is what has been keeping her alive this entire time. Right, because she's old as dirt. She should not she's be alive. So, it's been keeping like, her alive, yeah. So she literally gives her life for him to go out and for her for her to show this is how much I love you. This is how much I care for you. And this is the truth. Mm-hmm. And she gives him the arm and she dies in his arms. Okay, now I recall. Now I recall. But now he's on the quest to regain the ruby so everybody can live their truth, no matter what their truth may be. And a testament to David, I, I believe it's Lewis. Um, no, I don't. I didn't know how to pronounce that it. car scene where he's getting the ride. Yes, uh, very chilling. Very. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a great like again. All the scenes where he's at, the dialogue is just so on point. Yes, all his scenes, and granted, he's a he's a fantastic actor, so that makes it so much easier. But it's like all the all of his scenes are so good. They just again, they're very. There's no action basically, almost in any of his scenes, except when people are shooting at him and they're just blowing to bits because of the amulet of protection. Right. Uh, but even but, that is off screen. Yeah, they really hone in screen, on his like, dialogue. They're just so encapturing. Like you just, I, I remember when all of his scenes, when he started talking and, he, and like he goes through this story, this little monologue of his, I was a, I was just hooked. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. Like I was thoroughly engaged when he was talking to her and just, you know, talking about her life and everything. And then there's a switch from a casual conversation yes to a really the grand casual, the switch i i love those switches yes. i love the switch from very casual to okay this is what's gonna happen this guy's crazy this guy's crazy this guy's a psychopath and right not gonna, and not gonna lie i was very afraid that the dog was gonna attack him was gonna blow up oh but i was yeah i was afraid for the dog's life the whole, time. <laughs> the whole time the whole time i was like please do not hurt that dog but remember he only punishes or hurts bad people so exactly. he says so he says he, that whole thing was really good that whole thing was really good uh he eventually gets the ruby uh only harms that gas station worker i think uh yeah because the gas worker shoots uh, like shoots him. Right. Let's cut to the diner. Let's get to the diner. Uh, what he walks in there, he know he has no money, and then what he's just experimenting with the ruby, trying to see he's what would happen to, if I make these people see, live their truth. Yeah, or like, like take away the lies. Take away the lies, as he take says. Take away yes. the lies. That's what Ooh. That's what he does. A lot happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's a a good amount of patrons in this diner, and they just all come out and say the outlandish things, like the working couple, um, what, she's older, he's younger. It's almost like, so she, like, she, it's, she's the CEO Uh of the company. He's like, a work like uh he's under her he's under he's her. under her a head of division she's kind of a she's a control freak uh it's funny because like the young guy that's there is trying to apply to her company i think it's like they work at the college i think and yeah he's about to apply there too no he's gonna he's going to apply for a job there 
Right, right, right. And then yeah. the her husband is over here like, well, he's younger than me. She'll probably, you know, trade in the old bull for the young steer. Yeah. Essentially. But, and he, like, he's with basically almost every woman. Like, he's, like, texting and flirting with every woman because, like, on the phone. Yes, yes. Uh, so he's cheating on her. Uh, the the waitress. She likes, likes the cook. Likes the cook, but the cook surprise. The cook <laughs> <laughs> has been screwing her son. Now hold up. I had to take a pause here. I oh, know. same. When that, he said that scene was just like when he's okay, so he says like I don't I haven't been coming over for dinner or for you. I've been coming over for your son. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And she's like, he's just a boy. He's 21. I was like, thank God. And then, thank and then, God. And, and then it was just like, oh, and he knows what he's doing. Oh, Jesus. Well, I'm I'm just glad that he was. Oh, no, yes, I was glad as hell. But <laughs> oh, was, I was just like, but he like he kind of rubbed it in. It was just like so like because she was like, oh no. And well, they're then, living their truth. They're living their truth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the lies. The the veil of lies was was down. Yes. Um, uh, you had the other girl too. Uh, she was worried about texting her girlfriend back or something, and then what? She starts hooking up with the waiter. But for yeah, like so, like she, she's a, like she she was texting her ex, but she had left because she, like in a fit of rage or just like a fight, she slapped her, and she like she felt horrible. Mm-hmm. She felt horrible that she did that, and she was like the entire time. It's like, I don't like, she doesn't deserve me. Like she it was, it was like a lot of self pity what she was having with herself, you know, like right, right, right. a horrible person. And it seems that like the waitress was like one of the only people that was saying like, no, like, you know, like was seeing her for who she is. And well, she, it seems that it was like that platonic love that she had. So she just lived it there and the waitress just went like after being getting her heart broken in the worst possible way uh possibly just like saw a like another person sees me for who i am and that was like their truth and their whatever i think what really works about the scene was that a lot of the conversations kept replaying until they started actually living out the truth no it was like each conversation it would be the same conversation but with minor changes, minor changes Very until minor it got changes. to like the ultimate truth. Exactly. It was great. Again, that's a credit to the direction because I had to keep asking myself, wait a minute, didn't they just talk about this? And then you then you start spotting the minor changes. And meanwhile, this guy, John, is just sitting in the back, just watching and fiddling with the ruby. Yeah. And you see what this guy wants. He wants people to live their ultimate truth no matter what no matter what it is no more lies and dream comes in and basically you know sets him straight and he's like no that's what dreams are for if everybody were to live their ultimate truth it would be utter chaos essentially it would not work like <laughs> the worst of humanity would come through if everybody were to just 
live out their truths. It's like like the real world. Like you need a like you need a filter. You, yes, you, you need a filter and you need an escape, and that's why dreams exist. Yes, like dreams mm-hmm. are the are are the escape for you to live your ultimate truth, for you to be who you are without like without free of judgment. Free of judgment without without hurting anyone else. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. It's like, so it's like you have your own truth and all that, who you are, but like what you did here, what you manipulated them to do, that's not who they are as a person. Correct. It's like, like dream is kind of telling it dream is defend is like if for the for, for the first time in a long time, dream is defending humanity oh i'm so sorry we forgot to mention it, it got violent that's oh, why yeah. that's another reason yeah, yeah that's why they can't do this yeah it's like dream for the first time for the first time he's actually defending humanity mm-hmm. like he's telling john like it's so funny it's like because now the roles are like so he's taking the role of like hey like humanity's not as bad as you're putting it out to be they're horrible but they're not as bad well i think again so this whole journey is him having kind of you know he's starting to put more faith in humanity but also we as the viewer are learning the real value of dreams yeah and why dreams are so integral and you know and within the show too you know dream is of one of many siblings a lot of them think Dream puts himself on a pedestal, but when it really, when it really comes down to it, he deserves that pedestal as far as what dreams are actually, you know, used for. I think the seven, the seven endless. Is that what it, the seven endless? So and, like the endless, like we see in the series. I think four. We see four of the seven. Okay, and which is a perfect segue. Uh, so he gets the ruby back. Well, he crushes the ruby, uh, John. Because and, and, and also like Dream notices there because at one point he says, like, I am like, I don't need the ruby to be like to be the dream. Right. And also and, the power returned to him too. Yeah, it's like so he kind of it's it's kind of his own like self-revelation. It's like, hey, I'm more than just my tools. Yes. Like the tools are kind of like a catalyst, but it's like a catalyst for him to realize his powers. Once the ruby's gone, yeah, he doesn't need it anymore. Yeah. Nor the helm. And actually, they yeah, remember they judge his siblings judge him for using tools. Yes. Right. I imagine that'll come into play maybe in like a season two, uh, as far as you know, maybe other people start leaning into using tools. We'll see. We'll see. Well, speaking of the other endless, so uh I think. Okay, so this episode is probably my favorite episode. Um, this was a like it wasn't my favorite, but it was a great episode regardless. Oh man, I just love how things were presented here. So, oh no, same. So I, dream. My diner, the diner episode was my ten out of ten episode. Oh, okay, then that's my nine. This is my ten right here. This is my ten. So dream. He's got his items. He's rebuilding his kingdom, but he still feels without purpose. Yep. So this is kind of in the journey, the whole, what am I doing? Like, I just accomplished this task. Now, what do I do? And he's just sulking around. And then this girl comes up to him and, you know, she's attractive. She's very attractive. And she's just like talking to him. And he's just being kind of mellow and shy. Another dude walks up and tries to hit on the girl. Um, he's like, <laughs> don't worry, I'll see you soon. And I'm like, 
Oh no! And she says <laughs> she says his name too. She says his name. His name, and that's like don't like don't worry like such and such. I'll see you soon. And she's like, and he's like, who's this? This is my brother, and he's an idiot. And then you realize that's one of the endless, whoever it could be. And then you realize, and again, I oh, I don't even think you realize it here. You just again direction you hear he walks off i I was already i was thinking of it i was thinking it too i just needed the confirmation no because when like i was thinking when she said i will see you soon that was like okay i'm pretty sure she's she's this but they haven't told me yet again (laughs) it's it is the direction because he's still talking to her and then over there on the street you hear someone get hit by a car and you're like okay now okay now so then they're walking together and they go visit this old man and i think he's like playing the piano or something i think the viol- i think it was the violin all oh, right and he's like not yet not yet he's like it's okay you'll be okay and then i think uh like somebody walks in and oh my god i just love how they did this i feel this is like this was like top tier direction and and her justification you know because it's like he he goes around like when they're walking dream asks death how do you do this right it's it's like because it's like how how can you do this so effortlessly you know you bring an end to everything it's like, how can you be so fine with this? And she's like, she actually starts telling him like, yeah, like before I used to hate my job, but as time went on, like the, the, like, I forgot her realm. What's, what's called. Oh, I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know the name. I forgot the name of her realm, but she says it. The way to my realm is a long play. It's a, it's a long road. And I'm just there to give them like to give them a hand and be there every step of the way for them. Ah, it's so it's so beautifully put. It's like she's just saying it's like death is not a bad thing. I'm just holding their hand. I'm the one that's gonna hold their hand through this road and I will never let go. They will never be alone because I'm always holding their hand. And it was just like that's such a beautiful way of putting it. Uh yeah. Yeah, because again, it's it's all in her delivery. She comes, she's talking calmly to them, and you know she's she and she touches their hand like every time. She like grabs their hand. Yeah, she always just grabs their hand and lifts them up, or holds them, or you know like, and very and like very very empathetic and empathetic. She's very empathetic. Yes, and it's she also says something. It's like when the universe was born, I was there. Like, and let's say when it all ends, I'll just turn off the light and close the door. Mm-hmm. And my job will be done. Like it's so like, I, I, I just it was love so it. good. I like, it, like this was the baby one had me too. The baby one. Uh, oh, the baby one destroyed me. It was just, uh, she was like, that's that it's almost like that's all she wrote. And then she's cradling the baby, she's cradling too. the little baby. And then you, and then she's leaving, and you hear the mom like, "Wake up!" Right. Like, uh, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, the oh. one too where it was the the husband and wife on honeymoon, and he's like, "It's time," and he's like, 
I, I just let me tell my wife the password, our tickets, our flight back. It's all on my phone. Just let me open my phone. And it's like, you can't, you can't. And then they drag him out of the water. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I had to rewatch that scene. Cause I was like, this is, it's this is like, very well put. And this is where oh, I give yeah. praise to the Sandman for moments like this. I really give them praise right here. Yeah. yeah. So we meet death. This is death. Uh, we met Dream. We met Death. I think we've now seen Desire, but not like in the we, fold. We yeah, we see they give us a hint of Desire, right? And I think they give us a hint of Despair. Despair, right? They're plotting in the background because I I think Despair, Desire and Despair. I think they're are twins. twins. They're they yeah. are they are twins. twins. They are twins. And they're plotting because they don't. Nobody likes Dream except I like Death. Death likes Dream. Death is good. Oh. Uh, actually, looking at my image, I just looked it up. I'm pretty sure that's Anubis's symbol. So yes, interesting. That is. Yes. So that's very symbol. Very cool little tie-in right there. Um, so in the later half of this episode, because uh, yeah, she's reaffirming you have a purpose, you have a job, you know. You just have to find your reason for doing it. Like, right like what keeps you going yes, you know versus the job itself it's like see what you are what you are accomplishing with your job right right and make, and make it your own and i think it's i think it's very well put in this scene and then i don't remember how they segue into the next half of the episode um but they, i I've, i don't know they talk about you know seeing the goodness in humanity and they talk about well what about i don't think she calls him his friend but you know, don't you have an appointment to make? Yeah. And okay, I really like this too. I thought this was oh, really yeah. well the, done. Oh yeah, like the appointment. I the forget appointment. about that. Right. So what is it? Thirteen thirty-two or something? Thirteen thirty-two. Like they go to this bar in like this pub, and they find and they find this guy, and he's like, "Oh, I'm never gonna die." And Dream is like, "Okay." Would you like to see what that would be like? Would you like to see what that would be like? And he tells like death. It's like, hey, can you can you cut him some slack? Okay. So every hundred years they meet in, in the, the bar same, in, the, in same. the same in the same exact bar, and they and just have like, a conversation. And they have a it. conversation, and it's so funny because it's like you see how like you see how the guy has like he changes throughout the, these entire hundred years as his way of thinking, right. Like, have one he's like this uh like a drunkard or what like this drunkard or whatever that just wants to party then he becomes like a nobleman he become to the point where he's he only is interested in money and then dream gets interested with another guy that's william shakespeare oh right that was william shakespeare that was that's william, william shakespeare, shakespeare. Yes. and it's like dream takes an interest in him because it's like the way it like he like his words make people dream mm -hmm. so i think i think that's the way he like he puts it and it's like that's really clever but it's, uh and then like the next hundred years he's a bum but he's finally but now he's seen the price of immortality well it, interesting enough too at this point you know dreams like do you want it to stop like yeah and he, he's, he's at he's like at a very low he's at a very low at this point and he's like there's always something to live for right because at this point too i think he lost he had a family he started yeah, he, a family right. i think the law he lost him to the plague or something 
and like he lost all his like all his money. He lost everything. And even in that low point, he still he wants to like, live. He still wants to live. There's always something to live for. And so they, like, yeah, it's so good. I think uh, it's just well presented. Again, they're showing the costumes or the time periods changing. Yes. The bar is slightly changing ever so much every hundred years. And then I think they get to the point where he calls him a friend. He's like, why do you keep coming? It's because we have a friendship. And this is where you see the old dream. You know, not this new dream we've been watching. We see old dream where dream is like, how dare you? I am a, a godlike being. Again, that's what I tell you, the rigidity. His mm -hmm. rigidness. There's where you see the first little thing of his rigidness. No, it's like, this is my role. I am the dream. I am the endless. I am, you know, I am a, like, I am immortal. You are mortals, that kind of stuff. And also, I'm not doing this for friendship. I'm doing this. This is my little experiment I'm that I want to I'm, see. I'm, like, I'm doing everything because it's my job and this is my experiment. That's it. There's nothing else. No and friendship. We are not friends. By the way, in that episode, we meet the Constantine that he was alluding to in the second episode. I, I think I I think I missed it. Um, well, like when they're, I, I think it's like in the 1800s or something, 1800s or 1700s, they're at the bar again. Mm -hmm. And the first Johanna Constantine comes in and, oh. and, and has been in, like has been receiving these, these tips that's like, there's this Jew and this water, this random guy that meet every hundred years, and and she goes. Oh, that scene. Okay, I remember. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the that's the Constantine. Because they they thought it was because Constantine, you know, was into the mystical and sorcery. Yeah. So okay, she was investigating. She was in like she was investigating. So gotcha. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's cool. the Constantine they alluded to in the second episode. That's really cool. I like how that plays out, and then. Fast forward, I believe it's the now the 1980s. He doesn't appear. And, you know, I was like, oh, it's because he's mad over that friendship bit. He was and I trapped. completely forgot. I completely forgot. He was trapped. He, he was couldn't trapped. make his appointment. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> he wanted to make his appointment. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is good. This is good because. He I, again, this is, as you said, rigidity. He's put himself on a high horse. He doesn't want to admit it, but that they are friends. They've been friends for centuries and they just have a conversation about life, humanity, immortality. They are friends no matter which way you put it. He's just being a fool. And then in the like current era, he finally comes. And but the bar has been destroyed Ooh. because and, and it's someone like, and, bought the property and then he goes to the new bar and sees him there and there he is and he's and like he sorry i'm late yo i love it i um, love it yeah now those two episodes like i would say later later we'll, like i will tell you like my th my top three episodes you already know my top my top but so, like, so we got the diner this this and i would say the first episode Okay. Yeah, I think the first episode might be on I time. Go, for, like those were, I liked every episode, but those three for me took the like took it. And honorable mention, the one in hell. Yes, I okay. See, I always said the this is like kind of your first half. This is because this is episode five too. 
All right. Everything else after this, I think the show takes an interesting turning point. I feel it's almost not even the same show. Yeah, like it, it gives off a different vibe. I liked it. Grant, I liked it, but granted, it was compared to the previous episodes. Uh, it's not the same. Like, I didn't like it as much. I still liked it. Don't get me wrong. I, I liked it, but it was just so stark contrast to the earlier half. I felt it was losing me a bit. Uh, and we could just talk about it as a whole, kind of not episode by episode, but like, okay, so we watched Dream kind of find, you know, uh, the humanity in humanity again. Uh, the, like the second, like, I think the last little arc, it's, I think it focuses more on change. I think it's what happens when you have a character who's going through a change, but is then presented with the impossible decision. Yeah. Or the giant, a giant thorn in everything that's going on. So a vortex, a vortex is somebody is a dream, basically a human that like can manipulate the dreaming, can manipulate the dreams, which is his job. Exactly. That's his power. But this vortex came about because, well, one, you have to, well, I guess uh, we're a little jumping ahead, but you have to be what an offspring of an endless Yes, which is uh, it's okay. I mean, for those who are listening, if don't be listening if you haven't watched the series. But like that, <laughs> like you know, like after the ending of the show, there's something like when he confronts desire. Uh, desire. I kind of like I they they didn't they really don't again they don't dump all the information on they me. don't they don't right so it's like I had like I went a little bit in. And like it, may, like it, may, it was all a plot, like yes. Wrote, but so let's let let's keep talking about these episodes, and then I'll tell you the plot. Sure, sure, sure. So we have Rose Walker, Rose Walker, troubling life. Uh, mother passes away. I think her father was relatively a piece of shit. Yeah, um, takes her brother away. Brother is eventually put into the system into foster care. Which and he's with a piece uh, with a piece of shit. Uh, oh God, the lowest of shit. Yeah, a Barnaby, Uncle Barnaby. Yeah, um, yeah no, it's it's a terrible situation. Um, so she's doing everything she, everything she can to find her brother, and in doing so, she slowly learns that like like her powers and like her powers become more unstable. The dream. On the other hand, he's trying to look for two of his nightmares because obviously he knows that Corinthian will like he went rogue. Right. So, well, for the listeners, uh, dream has subordinates. They're either dreams or they're nightmares. In his absence, a lot of them went off to do their own thing versus keep up the dream realm. Lucian stay behind to keep it up. Folks like the Corinthian went off to do their own thing. Fiddler's Green went off to do his own thing. And Galt. Uh, we meet Galt. So, okay, continue what you were saying. So, basically, he's look. He's trying to look for those other two nightmares because he obviously knows that Corinthian is rogue. 
And he uh, needs them to rebuild the kingdom. He needs fully. them to rebuild to rebuild uh, the dream. So he uses Rose like against Lucian's advice to find them. Because Lucian tells him she's a vortex, she needs to be dealt with ASAP. Because a vortex can, can again, manipulate the dream, but can also destroy everything. Well, the vortex can uh, skew the line between reality and and, and basically dream. make dreams reality. Yeah. Yes. And that's a problem because, yeah. well, you don't need the worst dreams coming to fruition. So he uses Rose Walker to to try to find those nightmares right and he finds but and he thinks like oh by helping her find her brother i like she can help me find these nightmares because it seems that her brother has been erased from the library of the dreaming which is impossible right so that in itself lets him know like there's something going on here so there's a connection and then they finally find jed and surprise surprise jed is with galt uh, who is a nightmare and a nightmare but here's where you see again dreams rigidity yes so, nightmare you have a job no you have a job nightmare you're a nightmare you're a nightmare and nothing else and night and galt is like i don't want to be a nightmare anymore i don't want to scare people anymore i want to make i want to make them happy i want to make them like dream and hope i want and, to give them something and something. also again you have you have galt who finds jed and sees yeah, a, Ga why galt do i need to give this boy a nightmare yeah it's like, like galt is the reason that jed hasn't lost his sanity yes like, jed it, like galt is jed's escape yes like jed like jed is at his happiest when he is sleeping and he is dreaming with galt because his reality, his reality is, is terrible shit. he's being he has to sleep in the basement with the rats he's being abused he's being beaten every form of the word it's terrible and i look at galt and i think you know as far as you know thematically goes it's like your creator may have a purpose for you but you can choose your own purpose and choose your own path that's how i look at Galt. And, it, and, it, and it's and it's kind of funny because he says to galt it's like oh this is your job yet galt's power like is to be ever-changing she's a shapeshifter in other words she can be whatever she wants yet dream is telling her that you can only be one thing but gave her the powers to be whatever she wanted but also dream does not look at the good that galt is doing here exactly he like he's Again, he's one track minded. Yes. And it's like, his prayer is like, no, you're coming back. You're coming back or you're not coming back or, or like, or you're going to cease to exist. Yes. And so that happens. And he kills Galt. I yeah, mean, it's like he kind of like erases her from existence. Erases her. Okay. Yeah. He erases and then her they were supposed to, Jed, where are you? Tell us where you are. You know, uh, he doesn't um he doesn't he's he's not able to tell him where are so now again now this whole second part is like let's go find jed that's kind of like the moving pieces because whatever 
Rose does, Dream is going to follow because she's a vortex. So here's where I guess the Corinthian now is kind of. It's so the Corinthian sees this and sees this. Oh, this is a perfect power grab. So yes, by Rose, Rose is the only one that can actually confront Morpheus in his own. She she's like the second coming of Morpheus. He's the second coming of Morpheus. So it's like, well, for the first time in a lot for the first time, like Morpheus has someone that's trying to take his that like can challenge his role yes to directly literally like yeah it's like his role she's like i'm turning off the dream now uh, yeah so corinthian is trying to do a power grab we see something that's kind of like it gave me the it gave me the boys vibes to the serial convention okay okay so corinthian saves jed from the uh abusive people um and he's like i'm gonna take you to your sister she's waiting for us and the Corinthian has been making moves like for a good while now to where he has amassed a following of serial killers and they go to the serial convention spelled c-e-r i found that hilarious i had i had to think about it at first because i was like because we first meet like three of the followers and they're like, we want you to be our keynote speaker this year. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what do they want him to talk about? Because <laughs> all the Corinthian does is take people's eyes and they're collectors, as they call themselves. They, too, kill people, <laughs> take parts, I guess. I found, it, I found it hilarious. That entire, like, it was just so, like, the depravity of it. It was very boys, the boys vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could say, yeah, kind of like, like hero gasm a bit. I was like, this is this is amazing. <laughs> I was <laughs> laughing when yeah. they arrived at the serial command. You see all these horrible human beings, and they're like, "Remember, folks, use your code names here. Don't actually use your serial name." And Jed's over here, like, "Where's the Fruit Loops or something like that?" Because he thinks it's a serial. <laughs> convention oh my god it was very and again i feel this is so completely different from what we were presenting it's a completely different vibe like from the first i would say six episodes yeah no no i i say the first five are like it's complete own thing uh with the the i'm sorry six you're right six yeah for the first six Six. like it's kind of like a before and after, like when it comes to like the first six episodes and the last four, like it's, I would say the last four are a tad, they're more lighthearted and I would say more. I feel they're more action oriented. It's kind of like, it's moving. Like they're more like they're they're more fast paced. They're more action oriented. They're a lot. They're more lighthearted to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. Jed and his dreams are yeah definitely lighthearted. Yeah, it's 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 yeah lighthearted. It's it, it. I feel my critical thinking was not really challenged in this last part. I thought with this series, the most absurd stuff that we would see is just the mythos surrounding Morpheus and all the other beings. But now we got this absurd extreme of humanity that these serial killers in the guise of i don't even know what they're fronting it as but 
they're no, having the whole convention but like it makes sense because like even in like when we jump into last episode where dream confronts um corinthian yes um corinthian's purpose if i'm not mistaken was to bring out the worst in humanity like that's his, his nightmare i think his role i think was to bring out the worst okay okay so Corinthian and even Corinthian says the dream I was making I was doing what you made like what you made me for. I was bringing out the worst in humanity. This is what you created me for, man. I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. As uh -huh. I and like Dream says like I made a mistake when I created you and just like he and then I will make a better you afterwards. And that is, I guess, kind of the hubris that uh, Dream has kind of, you know, been battling. The fact that, you know, he he finally admits he made a mistake. Corinthian was a mistake. No, not only that. With Lucian, he's because he, like, there's also an internal struggle in, like, in the dream, in the dreaming, where a lot of dreams are reporting to Lucian. Because Lucian was running the place for a Lucian was holding it down, right? He was running the uh, running the fort. He was holding the fort, and it's like his way of doing things before is not the way of doing things now. And again, his rigidity comes into play. His resistance to change. Ah, it's, like when the pumpkin guy. So there's yes. a pumpkin character. It's like only report to me. Yes, you know I will do everything. It's like, hey, like that worked before, but not now. Things but have again, changed, yeah. Like, it's unfortunate it's, you were absent, but his resistance to change. Like, I think this last arc, you know, with Rose, if anything, it really highlights Dream's resistance to change. Yes. This last arc, I think it's that. It focuses like it focuses a lot on dreams resistance to change and how that which is his biggest character flaw and it's like how he actually has in order to you know one survive make everything right he has to accept help and has to change yes and actually has to change for the first time in his life he has to say, hey, I was wrong. Um, and he, like, even like when he goes to Lucian after their fight, he's like, it's like this typical, like, well, I was wrong, but I don't want to admit I was wrong, but hey, can you help me out? Like, and Lucian's like, okay, I'm gonna begrudgingly help you because like Lucian really does care for Morpheus. Yes, yes. I, like, Lucian did this to uphold his kingdom. Exactly. She expected his return. And it's like even her be mad and she has all the reasons to be mad and she knows she is right. She's like, okay. And it goes to like, it's dreams pride as well. It's challenged throughout this entire arc. These yes. this four episode arc, it focuses on his resistance to change and his pride and yes. how he actually has to swallow his pride and accept the help of people around him. And maybe see like, hey, not everything is black and white. Um, there's things that we can like, like there's so many other things that we can do here. 
and and you see how gradually in those four episodes he changes he yeah by the end of it because again he always thinks he has to do the the um most extreme measure yeah yeah because the most extreme would be to kill he wanted to kill rose yes he like and even though he said to Rose, which again that goes like with the and that's where the plot goes like the plot that i was telling you goes oh with a with a desire one of the things so all the endless they are bound they don't tell you this in the series but i'm pretty sure they're gonna touch a lot more upon, upon this like detail wise in the second season so there are a certain set of rules that all the endless must abide by all of them if they don't abide by the rule they lose all their powers and what like some of them are like one you don't interfere with humanity with mortals unless they are interfering you know with the job of the endless mm -hmm. and the second one like the second big rule you cannot shed family blood Ah, you can like the end, like the endless cannot kill each other and not kill each other or fight amongst themselves, you know, physically. Mm -hmm. So Rose Walker was a, being a descendant of a, of an endless made Rose Walker blood of the endless. And if dream were to kill Rose Walker to save the dreaming dream would lose his powers. Ah, this entire plot was orchestrated so that Dream would be forced to kill Rose Walker. Yes, and Rose Walker only came about because Desire, Desire made this move when Dream was captured. Exactly, because Rose Walker's great-great-grandma told him, I was supposed to be the Vortex. That's Yes. I was supposed to be, I was supposed to be the Vortex. And if like if he were to kill her, since she wasn't a blood of the endless, everything's fine. Like he's well, still I thought it, she was a blood of the endless. No, However, no, no, she just fine. kept having no. So the like the dream vortex come. You don't have to be like the blood of the like the blood of the endless to be a vortex. So in her case, if she like she was going to be, she was preordained to be the vortex. That's what they found in the library of the dreaming. Right, and then she passed it down. Since she was asleep, since she was asleep and Dream was, you know, captured, captured that was passed along for when down he her up. family tree. When he woke up, and it was passed down her family tree, right? For, for whenever Dream was released. So, if she was to be the vortex and Dream were to confront her. Dream would have to kill her, and but he would still be upholding the rules because he's he's killing him. He's interfering with a mortal, but only because the mortal is interfering with his purpose, with you know the dream and all that. But yes. since he's not related to him or any of the endless, then it's fine. But because if he was trying, like Desire was trying to force Morpheus to kill Rose Walker, that was the entire plan. So Dream would lose all his powers. That right, was right, plan. right. And that's why at the end he goes and confronts Desire. Yes, says, like you've been kind of like I know you've been playing with the puppet strings here. 
because like when he's uh when uh the great grandma says it's like because like the entire the four episodes were like how the hell did you get pregnant while you were asleep right i didn't like, and we were like get that like, either i was like like throughout the but and then in the last episode they tell you i remember seeing golden eyes that too but also is it not because she's a vortex she again blends that oh. blurs that line no because like at first i thought for at first i was because, like because of rose's friend lita remember rose's friend no yes like yes but the reason was it was desire because like no i mean i know in desire impregnated her because a desire just a desire i imagine to what the hell do you most desire okay i want a kid oh um, so they snap oh, okay like, i thought no, he actually like, formed a relationship with her and yeah it's like i imagine it's like desire said like again that's his power what do you most desire oh i want a kid done but okay but i just know because there's the whole thing lita was an effect but, but, of but roses remember, remember she couldn't be the dream vortex because since dream was captured so there was no no what nobody was dreaming right no no i'm, I'm just saying when rose uh, like he's awake now i'm talking about he's awake that uh okay, yeah. yeah the vortex could just oh no yeah yeah run the, the wild vortex, the vortex runs wild but like so that was the entire like orchestrated plot and that's i imagine they're going to go a little bit heavier like they're going to like touch upon that little detail in the second season but oh no was, no doubt no that doubt. was just me that i was like curious hey like what the because they give you a snippet of it and like i read on i read on it but it like when i read on it it was like wow this makes total sense every oh, no i i get it i get like, it like I was like this now this fourth art like this like these last four episodes make total sense just by reading that little thing I mean I I, I in the grand scheme the overarching plot works the execution may not have been the greatest in the last four but it still works no it's still, like they were still really good episodes like if I were to tell you like the first six episodes they're all like I would say they're all like nines Mm -hmm. they're all nines the five being a 10 for me and the last four episodes i would say like seven like seven eight 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 so like they they all blend for me they're like eights they're just all yeah, like, like the, the last whole... like the, la the last episodes are basically like almost eights which are great like but yeah 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 no the thing is that compared to the first six it's like okay it just it's a different direction oh, yeah it's a different direction different vibe yeah but overall again i think the series the series it, it's still uh what's the word um there's more to offer of course in a season two oh, we yeah. he remakes galt and galt he's like again, you can be a dream again and it's him the last four the last four episodes the arc is change yes and now and now he's, he's a different person he's a different person and he's acting he, on it he's acting on it he knows like hey like maybe it's like we we are who we want to be and we're not not everything is set in stone nor should i technically be the one that chooses how you exactly. right so you have that going on rose is no longer a vortex 
uh, but she has her brother and I'm sure we're going to see them again. I don't think you, you know, have a mini adventure with Dream, the Endless and never see them again. But also Lita's baby, he says, I'm coming for that baby because uh, that baby was born out of a dream. That that is a child of the Endless. Correct. So he says he'll be coming for that baby. So I'm sure we'll that'll be a major plot point moving forward uh and then desire and uh despair are still up to their whatever yeah. they got but something bigger plan but he he confronts desire yes like but, dream confronts desire and says like hey if you want a war i will give you a war and i'm sure down the line we'll see but that war played out lucifer lucifer revenge right why lucifer is embarrassed because she lost feel some type of way feel some type and of way. who's she talking to azazel yeah asriel asriel as i think it's asriel and another what demon right demon yeah yeah so forces are a mountain against dream and his kingdom uh it ends on a good note really i, I think I think I think obviously I'll be tuning in. Will you be tuning in? Oh yeah, Percy. Like I am very excited, and I really want them to to make a season two. Like and, oh no, I I I think they like, will. There I is, don't think uh there is so much, so much more to tell. Agreed. Agreed. Now we did get that bonus episode. Oh, the bonus episode was good. I liked it. Um, it's it was, interesting, especially it was the first half. The first half was interesting, but it was still it it was still it was touching and interesting. No, it's uh, definitely interesting. I I'm, I was the anim- interested. So the animation was really good. I was yes. That. I know the animation was probably the standout. Also, that Sandra O oh as the Siamese cat. Yeah, uh, she did a fantastic job. We don't have to get too into it. Uh, <laughs> Very different vibe, but it plays into the whole, yeah. you know, the dreams and the purpose, specifically of cats. <laughs> the dream of a thousand cats. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. For those uh, who ha- don't know, there's a bonus episode, episode 11. Go check it out. First half is about cats. Dream and appears the- in it as a cat. It's and the different. second half, it's about... Second half is kind of more aligned with what we've been given. But we have Calliope. Who is the ex love interest of Morgan? Well, well, ex wife, ex wife. We I met. I we didn't mention it. We did meet which one ex lover in hell, which is I, which is a play on I think uh, Greek mythology because Morpheus and Calliope. In oh yeah, country, yes. And they have a son that's called Orpheus. Correct. And now I think Orpheus didn't make it in so in or- this in their world. So no, Orpheus. I think in mythology, uh, he is the greatest of poets and musicians, and he he is the the personal musician of Hades in the underworld. Ah, okay. Like Hades was so was so blown back by his prowess and like and like the beauty of his music that he took him uh, that he took him into his court. Interesting, but I I just looked it up. Orpheus does die in mythology. 
Yeah, he does. Um, okay, but Hades, okay. But Hades basically, instead of making him go like through the underworld and all that kind of stuff, just he just Hades makes him stay. It's just like you stay. You're gonna be. You're gonna be my personal musician here with me because like no one plays music like you. So I find it interesting because you know moving forward in later seasons is you know for example Lucifer, the devil, hell. Is there a Hades equivalent? Hades. It's like right. So that's why I'm. And we see the underworld like that. There's so much that they can that they can play with. Right. So you know Norse. I mean not Norse, but many mythologies have gods and deities that are very similar in what they do i wonder if they're all existing on the same plane or if they're all the same person and how that plays out like you know we pointed out the anubis uh symbol is is death saying she's anubis i don't know but it is very interesting to see how that plays out i don't want to look further into it by going into the the graphic novels i will just be a series boy and I'm gonna stay like that. So yeah, like the last episode was really good. I liked it. It was uh, a it was a nice little. It was it was a. It was kind of cool. Like the the first part, it was just like, oh, this is new, and uh, like, and then like it kind of brings brings you back to reality. Like, yeah, I feel it's like they wanted to do the Calliope story, but didn't know where to put it. Exactly, so it was, which is yeah. which is fine. Um. Because re- like when you really come to look at it, the Calliope episode, it doesn't fit in to any of the arcs per se. Because again, he's on his quest to get his items and all that kind of stuff. The Calliope would have been kind of like a break. Yes, it, it so, would have been weird. I mean, not that it, it would have been weird, but yeah, it would have maybe not have flowed. Yeah, it wouldn't. It would have altered the flow. That's why I'm. It was perfect to have it. Like, oh, look at this bonus episode. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, wow. it is what it is. Uh, I would definitely watch it. I recommend people watch it uh, before season two drops, whenever that is. But that is our in-depth look at the Sandman. Any final thoughts, Doctor Mondo, on the Sandman season one? Uh, like fantastic, like really um, beautifully filmed, amazingly written and directed. Uh, extraordinary cast um deals with a lot of interesting themes and the way they portray them is just exquisite i would really give this show a nine out of ten honestly fair 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 Uh, very fair like a nine out of ten and the reason i don't give it a ten is again those last four episodes which are still great but when you compare them to the first six it's just like the first six episodes. That is just wonderful. I'm I'm like right. I'm right below you. I'm like an eight point five. I'm an eight point five. Yeah, that that's totally fine. Like and, an eight point five nine. It's like it's what the show deserves because it's yeah. Wild. I, well, I just feel this first season uh, leaves you wanting so much more, oh, and yeah. I think the stuff that was really well presented here is what you should be coming back for the writing the direction the cast and i think the mythos here is very fun and something worth exploring so i would like to explore it more in later seasons so i would definitely say if you haven't watched sandman go ahead and definitely check it out and if we couldn't convince you uh i don't know but goodness that's it from us here 
at the Yonko table. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on all our social media accounts, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Remember, we've been posting a lot of stuff on TikTok, so make sure you go check that out. If you want to go join our discourse, be sure to click the link below and join our Discord because we'll be in there talking about everything. Who knows what it, we may be talking about this week, but come on, join our conversation. But that's it from us here at the Yonko table. Uh, I'm your Yonko host, Grandmaster Hoop. Supernova, Dr. Mondo, thank you for joining us today. And listen, folks, y'all have a great day and take care. Take care, folks. <laughs>